We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report Podcast, another free agency edition as we are just over a week completed of the NFL's new league year. And the Chicago Bears have made some additional moves to hopefully improve their roster going into the 2020 season. I'm your host, Zach Pearson, here. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming. Aaron, uh, week two of this quarantine, stay in shelter thing going on, but a lot's gone on in the NFL world since then. Yes, it has. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing, and it happens every year. But it, it's amazing how quickly we go from an all-out free-for-all and free agency to sightings trickling in, and you know the the second phase. And that's, I mean, uh, that's where we've been at since basically, I would say, probably the end of into this past week. Um, you know, and it's it's definitely been interesting. Um, you know, there's still a few decent names out there, although it seems like everybody's finally starting to sign and, you know, the bears made a few moves and, you know, but it's definitely not quite the distraction. It was, uh, last week at the beginning of the week, which is unfortunate because unlike, uh, you guys in Chicago and Illinois and all that stuff, uh, we just went under a lockdown here in, in Dallas. Well, Dallas County did it a few days before. And then, uh, Tarrant County, which is Fort Worth and Arlington and all that, uh, just did theirs basically started today so uh yeah it's it's gonna be an interesting uh few weeks filled with a whole lot of nothing no sports no nothing yeah thank god the nfl uh didn't push back for agency because it's literally been the only sports we've had besides you know channels and networks running their old programming like classic games and stuff like that 
Um, you know, the NFL's kind of provided a little bit of um, some entertainment here, some much-needed news uh, in the world of sports. And you're right, you mentioned, you know, the Bears have made some moves. Last time we talked, we kind of recapped the Robert Quinn, the Nick Foles trade, uh, Jimmy Graham signing. Um, but since then, I mean, the Bears have made some other you know, kind of moves internally, you know, bringing back Patrick Scales. They're close to a deal with uh, DeAndre Houston Carson in return. And then Deion Bush um, back on, an, on another one-year deal. But they've also added some kind of interesting uh, pieces, I'd say. Uh, a couple of former first-round picks and then a couple of uh, depth guys, you know, bringing in someone like a defensive back like Artie Burns, uh, linebacker Barcavius Mingo. Um, Jordan Lucas, a safety, who was a fourth-round pick with the Chiefs. Uh, spent the last couple of seasons with the Chiefs, I'm sorry. Um, and then uh, on – actually, before we started um, recording this show, it was announced they brought back Tyler Bray in a one-year deal. And before then, they added some depth to their offensive line in uh, Jermaine Effendi, who uh, – a former first-round pick with the Seahawks. What are, your, what are kind of your thoughts on those moves uh, from the past couple of days? You know, it's – I, I mean, really, the only move I've truly, really liked, without any doubt, has been the Robert Quinn move. I understand what Ryan Pace is doing. I understand that there's not a ton of flexibility left in terms of, you know, with the financials. I get that. But, um, you know, it's one of those things that they're, it almost, in a lot of ways, it kind of feels like maybe they're kind of reverting back to more of what they did uh, when Ryan Pace first came in and when they were just kind of, you know, rebuilding or whatever it is. Uh, I, I think the Burns move is definitely interesting just because, yes, he has been a bust. Um, but at the same time, I think it's one of those situations where maybe getting him um, under Pagano, where Pagano likes to use length, uh, I think that could work. Uh, it definitely appears, unless they draft a defensive back one way or another, it looks like there's basically going to be two competitions going on. One, I, one I, you know, the second corner position and the one at strong safety as well. And, you know, Bush is all right. I think they'll, I think they'll get by. It would be nice if, you know, somebody like a, a Tolliver or, you know, even Burns or maybe Roberson or somebody, or Robertson, whatever his name is, uh, can come in and, and kind of, take one of those spots and actually play at a decently high level would be nice. Um, and then obviously, you know, with the, with the move today, uh, Jermaine Effetti, um, I, it's one of those moves where obviously we need to see the money first. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like there was other moves that could have been made. And I understand the, the concept of taking some of these busted first round picks, even like a guy like Mingo and trying to get more out of them and, and relying on your coaching staff. And I understand that, but at the same time, it's one of those, I mean, that rarely really works. I mean, usually sometimes guys are just drafted in the wrong slot and they're just not very good players. And, you know, honestly, the whole first round uh, status kind of goes out the window a little bit when, you know, there's that, you know, when, when you've been in the league for, you know, X amount of years. So it'll be interesting. Um, I understand why they're doing it. And luckily they've got a pretty good amount of talent, but even with a guy like a Fetty, it's, it, it almost kind of makes you wonder. It's like, I mean, is he going to be okay at right guard? I mean, are they still going to bring in competition? Obviously uh, we'll need to see what the numbers are, but I mean, if it's anything more than probably three or 4 million, I mean, I would guess that he's probably going to be a starting right guard at this point. So, it, I mean, it definitely opens him up to go best player available, uh, in the draft, which I mean is well and fine, but when you have you know two second round picks and then you don't pick again until the fifth round, and that's literally all you have in the first four rounds of the draft, 
you really got to hit on those 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 uh, second round picks, and I'm sure Pace is probably going to maneuver around. Hopefully, he'll move back a little bit and regain some draft capital. And obviously, we'll get in that more as the draft season comes up. But so far, I think they've I think they are better as a team. Um, but it's definitely it, it's been a very mixed approach in terms of you know some of the moves that they made. Obviously, a guy like Foles shows you that they're trying to go for it now, and they're trying to get the quarterback situation right. And then you get a guy like Robert Quinn, who's kind of another one of those moves where it's you know, you're clearly going for it. And then Jimmy Graham still doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but that would be another move that you, you know, would signal you're going for it. And then you start taking some of these low risk shots and some of these other guys. So I don't know. Again, it's, I don't particularly hate it. Um, but I, I don't, I also don't like it. And I'm a little confused by Pace's approach so far in free agency, even with the, the limited funds that they have. Yeah, you know, I'm with you because you look at some of the pieces that they've brought in since we've last talked. You know, you look at Afedi, um, and we don't know the contract, like you said, but it's pretty much projected he's going to, you know, compete for the starting job at least at right guard. Um, and then you look at someone like Jordan Lucas um, and Barcavius Mingo, who are probably going to be more depth pieces, along with bringing back DeAndre Houston Carson or have some special teams value to them. You look at Artie Burns, and he's a guy that's it's probably going to compete for the number two cornerback job battle out for um, with uh, Kevin Tolliver and Trey Roberson they brought in from Canada. It's kind of like it, it feels like to me. Well, there's not really a great analogy I can come up with for Ryan Pace what he's doing, but it, it's kind of almost like they're just like you know picking pieces and then trying to plug them in here and there um, with you know, relatively cheap signings and guys they can find in, the, in tier two and tier three. So it doesn't surprise me because we have seen Ryan Pace go to those tier two, tier three free agents over time. Um, but yeah, it kind of goes back to me. It's what we said last week. He's trying to win now. I think he's, he, he realizes, okay, I got this year. This, this is the year for the window. I get two more years if I'm lucky. This year I have for sure maybe have the next season. And I, and I just think he's kind of in this win now mode. Let's try to plug in some pieces, uh, bring in some competition and, and see what we got. And we mentioned the first round picks and that's a good point because at some point they don't become first round picks anymore. Either you're good or you're not. And you look at Ryan Pace in these signings, nine first round picks now on the bears roster. Only three of them were from the bears. It's Kyle Fuller, um, Roquan Smith and Mitchell Trubisky. The rest were guys elsewhere. And, you know, it doesn't really say much, but it, it's like they're trying. I don't know if he's trying to, like, you know, be that change of scenery GM where, oh, we'll bring this guy in, maybe a change of scenery will help him. Maybe he'll develop. You know, they have found success doing that. Akeem Hicks is a prime example. He wasn't a first round pick, but he was a guy that was struggling, you know, in New Orleans and in New England, comes to Chicago, and we see just how good he is. Um, you know, things like that. But, I think it's still too early to kind of give a grade on, the, on this free agency period, but I'm with you here that it allows them. This has opened up to allow them to go best player available come April's draft. And we'll have to see what the Bears do with those two second-round picks because they're going to have to hit on both of them. I mean, one is acceptable. I think you can live with it if it's turned out to be a really good player as long as the other pick you have in the second round isn't a terrible player. But you'd love to see Ryan Pace just hit on both um, second-round picks. So before we kind of get into everything else, we had kind of a little special fun show to do here in free agency. We brought in a couple of writers from the Bear Report to kind of do a, like a little bit of a roundtable. Um, you guys get Aaron and I's insight, you know, 50 times a year with these podcasts. So we kind of want to get bring them in and see their free agent thoughts. So we're going to do a little bit of a roundtable. I'll kind of 
you know, step back a little bit and moderate while also offering my insights on free agency. Um, Aaron will participate in the roundtable as well. And that'll be majority of our show, and it'll kind of break down what the Bears have done um, in free agency so far. Before we get into that, we bring in the guests here. Let's get into our first break, and we'll be right back after this. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Welcome back into the Bear Report Podcast. And now we're going to do something kind of special, something we have not done yet here on the podcast. We're going to have a little bit of a free agent roundtable, kind of break down the, the moves the Bears have made. Um, and get some insight for some writers on the Bear Report podcast. Some guys that you know maybe you don't get to hear often on the podcast, kind of give their insight and, and what they think you know these moves for the Chicago Bears mean for the draft and for the future of the franchise. So welcoming in Aaron and I in the podcast now is three writers from the Bear Report. It is Usaid Koshal, Alex Bluthen, and Andrew Freeman. You've probably heard a couple of them on the Picks for Pace podcast. But we're here all together to kind of do this. I'm going to step back a little bit, moderate. I'll ask the questions. They'll fire off their answers. And uh, I think we'll cover pretty much a lot here in free agency. And I think it'll be nice for the listeners here to kind of get some insight from everyone else. Guys, how are you all doing? I'm doing well. Excited to uh, be on here with you guys and talk some bears. Yeah, likewise. Nothing better. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. Yeah, nothing better to do to break up the quarantine than cover this Bears offseason. Yeah, that's a good point. I hope everyone is staying safe. And uh, Aaron and I talked a little bit about that earlier with the Bears and the NFL news kind of being something good to have during this quarantine. So let's get right into this. So we'll start off with our first question here. And, you know, obviously the big move that the Bears have made so far – in free agency actually was a trade came a week ago. They sent their fourth round comp pick. They took on the contract of Nick Foles, the guaranteed money. He's in here for a quarterback competition with Mitchell Trubisky. I just kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on Nick Foles, the trade. Did the bears pay too much? Was it a smart move? Um, is Foles the guaranteed guy to win the job or, or, you know, can Trubisky maybe win a job and be the week one starter? Well, you say it first then. You know, I love and hate the move just because I love it from the perspective uh, when you look at it, they needed a proven veteran product and Foles' work with Filippo, he's work with Nagy and Bill Lazor too. So I like it from that perspective. I think the familiarity that all four of these guys have with each other is going to play a much bigger role than most are thinking of right now, especially if he has to come in and replace Trubisky. I do think Mitch is going to be the week one starter because if you give up on Mitch in week one of 2020 and he's not the starter, you're basically admitting that, look, I messed up with um, taking this kid at two overall four years ago, basically. I think that I hate the move because you gave up a fourth-round pick for him, and then you're taking on that, like, massive contract. I get there was some restructuring there, but, like, I think they're paying him $15 million in 2020. You could have easily also had, like, Derek Carr for, like, $19 million as well. And plus, they didn't get any draft capital back 
from the Jags, and the Jags are like swimming in uh, draft capital right now. Yeah, that was kind of one thing that I think a lot of people thought was going to happen was they were going to get at least a pick back for taking on that salary. That didn't happen. Uh, look, we'll kick it over to Andrew now. Yeah, you know, it's it's actually funny because I actually heard about the trade. Um, I heard from Alex who messaged me saying, uh, you know, we trade for Nick Foles for a fourth-round pick. And my initial reaction was, oh, we got a fourth-round pick from it. Because um, I did I did a piece earlier on Nick Foles where I thought he'd be a good candidate if the Bears, they wanted to pull a Brock Osweiler situation where, if you remember, uh, the Texans traded Brock Osweiler to the Cleveland Browns and they got a second-round pick or they gave away a second-round pick, actually, uh, to basically for the Browns to take on that salary. I, I thought it would make the most sense for the Bears if they wanted to go with that route uh, with Nick Foles. And then, lo and behold, I, I checked my Twitter feed, and there's Nick Foles, the Bears, giving up their fourth-round pick. So you can imagine my feelings towards that wasn't very positive at the moment there. But, you know, I after thinking it over a little bit, you know, if we were going to have to give it like a grade – I would say like a C plus because the one thing with Nick Foles is you say mentioned it is the familiarity within the offense. And, you know, you worked with Bill Lazor in 2013 where he had his best season in his career, 27 touchdowns, two interceptions. So you like that there. And then you kind of revitalize his career with Matt Nagy in Kansas city for that one year where he was the backup there in 2016. And then moving on in 2017, 2019 with DeFilippo. So he has a lot of familiarity with these guys. And maybe more importantly, these guys know his strengths and his weaknesses. So they're going to know how to utilize him within the offense. And they're just going to have all that knowledge there. And Nick Foles, you just know that he's going to have the offense. He's going to know like the back of his hand, basically. So with the fact that we're not sure about training camp and OTAs, mini camps, that's extremely valuable to where, you know, we don't know what this offseason, how it's going to pan out for them. So having a quarterback in here knows the system really well. You can kind of go from day one in training camp and just fire away with it. Uh, I think that's a huge advantage here. Overall, I'd say I'm a little bit leaning more towards positive on this one right now. I do not like the trade compensation, but I think Nick Foles, I think he's an upgrade over Mitch Trubisky as of right now. I think they're going to have a competition, but you know what? I, I'm giving the edge to Nick Foles as of right now. I think he's the better quarterback for the system. You know, unless Mitch can really hone in on it this offseason, I, I don't think he's going to have enough time to get up to speed as much as Nick Foles is going to. And I think Nick Foles is – I don't know if he's going to be the start of week one, but sooner rather than later, he's going to win the job at some point this season. So we got one for Mitchell Trubisky, essentially one for Nick Foles there. Alex, are you going to break the tie here for us? Um, well, similar to um, what Andrew said, I was constantly refreshing my Twitter when that trade came through because I figured maybe there was a misreporting of facts and we were the one getting the fourth round pick back, or perhaps they forgot that we were also getting a third, essentially trading up from a fourth to a third in exchange for taking on Foles. But I've, uh, I mean, this might be a beating a dead horse to some, but I really think that Mitch Trubisky will continue starting every game until he lays an egg. I think they will lay an egg, but I, I think it's going to be the Tannehill Mariota situation where we they stay with their guy that they drafted high until he messes up, and then they have a, a proven veteran come in and take the job because the rest of the roster is built to win. Um, 
I would say a C minus on the trade. We were already tight on cap and picks, and we gave up both uh, in a year where we had a lot of other team needs as well. So I was a little disappointed with it, but like people have said, we have they have all those ties, and with all the question marks going on with this offseason and sports in general right now, I, it was a safe move. I just don't think it was the right move. Yeah, and, and you know, you've heard my thoughts already on this and Aaron's thoughts as well. I, I just, I know, I think the quarterback room kind of got better with this deal. I am a little, you know, disappointed the Bears didn't get a pick back. They only got the fourth. They got to give up a fourth round pick because they don't pick again until round five after those two second round picks. So I'm mixed on it. I think Foles is going to win the job. Um, I, I think you don't pay him that much money to come in here and, and, um, be the backup. However, I do think, you know, to you say its point, I do think that the hardest thing to do for a general manager is admit failure and that he screwed up on, on a pick that high. And I think Ryan Pace would be wise to do that sooner than later. Otherwise, I don't know if he's going to be here um, long enough in Chicago. Let's go to the next question here. Um, and one of the needs that's, you know, maybe not high on, you know, everyone's list or kind of gets overlooked, but I think personally is a need I think it's a running back position. You know, they have Tariq Cohen, they have David Montgomery, and we saw shades of what David Montgomery could do last season as a rookie. However, behind them, the depth is not too good. Kareth White left and went to Pittsburgh and kind of made a a big impact there, or at least an immediate impact, getting the chance to play right away. And behind them is Ryan Nall. There's not a lot of speed at the position, honestly, and I think that's one position they could get faster in. Do you guys think the Bears should go the route of maybe drafting a running back with some speed, maybe a burner, or should they look at some free agent options out there? This one will kick it off with Aaron, because I don't think Aaron and I have talked about this one yet. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a decent question. Um, and it's and it's one that, like you pointed out, I mean, outside of Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery, they don't really have a lot of depth. I mean, Ryan Knoll is just, I mean, he's a training camp hero at this point. That's really all he is. And outside of that, they don't really have anything. I think one name that actually makes a ton of sense would be Corey Clement, um, not just because of the ties from you know the Super Bowl run with Nick Foles with the Eagles and all that stuff, but I do think that he's a good fit, and I think that's exactly the type of running back depth that you want to have. I don't know. I mean, we've kind of talked about the draft pick situation, and they don't have a ton of them, um, and the ones that they do have are more later in the draft. I mean, I guess you could use one. Um, you know, running backs are kind of expendable when it gets to that that point in draft. But if it was me, I would. You know, I, I would use my picks on something a little bit more valuable than going with a third string running back. I think the other thing that kind of we need to keep in mind, too, is that Tariq Cohen's going to last year of his deal. And I'm not 100 percent sold that they're going to pay to keep him around. I don't know how much value he really has of this team. Maybe with a better tight end situation, I guess we'll find that out. But I mean, he's been pretty unimpressive um for the most part especially last year i mean he you know his rookie year was was cool he had flashes uh you know a second year but last year man i mean he's just he again he needs to run north and south i i know that he got all upset that somebody called him out on twitch over that or whatever that was and but i mean it's the truth he averaged 3.3 yards per carry last year and frankly there were a lot of yards in front of him that he simply left behind because he doesn't know when to actually you know progress forward with the ball so I think Clement makes a lot of sense. I do think that they should absolutely add somebody. Um, I, I don't think it's a pressing need by any means, and I don't think it's going to take a ton of effort to at least provide depth there, but I do think it's something that they should look at. 
Yeah, the uh, clip that Aaron was referring to is <laughs> Tariq Cohen was playing on Twitch last week, and someone said, uh, you run north to south instead of east to west, and he started you know, spitting out his stats and how he averages four yards a carry, which I think it's actually more towards like three yards or below that. It was a pretty funny reaction, I, I, I got to admit. And- hold on, hold on, hold on. Somebody said you need to run north and south. I average four yards a carry. What you mean you run north and south? I average four. You couldn't average four in, in high school football. Tariq's not a guy that's going to be all serious about that. He's going to take it, you know, kind of lightheartedly and, and joke around with it. Um, Alex, we'll go to you on this one. Yeah, um, I'm in a similar boat. I'm not sure I want to spend a draft pick or significant capital, but uh, Corey Clements from my alma mater, he's a Badger, so I would love to have him in the mix of things, but also just bring in a couple of undrafted free agent running backs. Seems like every off season, a few of them have clicked right away in the NFL. So guys that pop out to me, I know I really like uh, Reggie Corbin and Josh Kelly. I spoke about both of them on our running back preview on picks for pace, but those are two guys that I expect to be undrafted and can be a depth running back, but also just have a little bit more upside than others might. Yeah, maybe finding a guy like a veteran that's kind of bounced around, you know, someone like Raheem Mozart, who we saw have a big role for the the uh, 49ers last season. I think you're right on that. I think, you know, they're more often than not now, running backs are kind of coming out of nowhere, uh, with the exception of you have Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott, who are, you know, top 10 picks and, and franchise guys. But I think you can find a good crop of them in free agency in, the, in tiers two and three. Uh, let's go with uh, Usaid on this one next. Yes, I'd definitely say they do need to add a running back just because you can't go into 2020 with only Montgomery and Cohen. And Cohen, honestly, like Nagy's just hasn't proven that he can figure out a way to use him correctly because when Nagy got here like two years ago in the summer of 2018, he was all like, yeah, Cohen's this, you know, human joystick, et cetera, really hyping him up. And I think that they are going to have to add someone this season or this offseason through the draft. I don't see them dipping into the free agency market just because that's either guys who are like, they've been in the league for a couple of years now and they're all worn out. You don't want to take a chance on them. So go to the draft. Um, If you are going to draft someone in the second round, like Jonathan Taylor or Cam Akers would be like my two picks, but then those would be like luxury picks right there. So I would say go ahead and wait till day three, like the seventh round, let's say, or undrafted free agency. You can certainly um, find someone there that you can just plug in to come and compliment Montgomery. And uh, finally, uh, Andrew, you want to wrap this part up? Yeah, so it's really interesting here. So me personally, I would try to double dip at the position, actually. I wouldn't do it with any premium picks or spending a lot of money on a guy. But, you know, I look at some of the free agents available right now that might have some ties or fit with this offense here. Uh, first name that comes to me is Spencer Ware, who spent a lot of time with Matt Nagy in Kansas City. He's had a lot of injuries over the past two years. He's gotten phased out of the offense, but – he knows the scheme. He's a fit for what they want from one of, from the running backs. It's kind of a bigger inside zone type of runner with some pass catching skills outside the backfield. So Spencer Ware, he's a guy that has kind of that good fit there. Um, Corey Clement and one of the small Smallwood um, from Philadelphia. Those are two guys that perfect fits in this offense. You can get those guys for cheap. And then one more name is Lamar Miller, who got a big contract from contract from the Texans. Uh, never really panned out there as the primary back, but 
you know, he has a history with Bill Lazor, who was an offensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins in 2014 and 2015 when, when Lamar Miller was there in his last few years with the Dolphins. So they have some familiarity there. Lamar Miller, I think, you know, he's not a guy that's going to be, you know, digging into David Montgomery's carries too much, but as a complimentary piece with a little bit more juice in terms of his, in terms of his speed, uh, that would be a good complimentary option, I think, to add to the running back room. Again, you're not going to be spending a lot of money to bring those guys in. Those are guys going to be kind of on your vet minimum type of guys who wouldn't count too much towards the salary cap, which is going to be a big concern for the Bears at this point since they're kind of up against the, the cap right now. In terms of the draft, the only you know type of running back I'm looking for in the draft is a guy who's going to add some speed um, and explosiveness to this offense because – you know, the Bears last few years, they, they haven't been able to generate explosive plays. That's been the main problem. You know, that some of that's on Mitch Trubisky not seeing guys down the field, but they're just not getting enough big plays on offense. And, and that correlates very well to successful offenses. You look at the Chiefs, they create a lot of big plays in their offenses. The Dallas Cowboys, they create a lot of chunk plays in their offenses. So, you know, if you're going to draft a guy, I look at guys like Antonio Gibson out of Memphis. He's a big play machine. Um, in the fourth or fifth round, if you can get him there, Darians and Evans out of Appalachian State, another guy who could kind of fill that Tariq Cohen type of role as that explosive uh, back out of the backfield. Uh, just some guys with some, some speed and his explosiveness, get to the second level, uh, put some pressure on the safeties a little bit to make a tackle and create some big chunk plays. They need to get that type of explosiveness on this team. And if they're going to address the running back anymore, I would say those are kind of the two top options I'd see. Uh, for the rest of this offseason. Yeah, I agree. I think they need to add some speed, you know, to this roster. I think, you know, you, you brought some prime examples. Look at the 49ers, the Chiefs, the two teams that were in the Super Bowl, speed all over the place. And outside of, you know, Cordero Patterson and, and Tariq Cohen, there's not a whole lot of speed on this offense. And I think Cohen's even more just quicker than flat-out speed. So we'll see. I hope the Bears do add some speed somewhere, at least wide receiver, running back. Before we get into our next topic, though, this is a perfect chance for an ad read. we got to crank it out here in the middle of the show. We'll get through it right pretty quickly. Every night, local police departments across America receive hundreds of calls from burglar alarms. The vast majority of the time, they have no idea whether an alarm is real or if there's a really a crime going on or not. All the alarm companies can tell them is that the motion sensor went off. But Simply Safe Home Security is different for you. If there's a break-in, Simply Safe uses real video evidence, and they give police, you know, an eyewitness account of the crime. That means police dispatch is up to 350% faster than a normal burglar alarm. That can make a big difference in those situations. You get comprehensive protection for your entire home. Outdoor cameras, doorbells alert you to anyone that's approaching your home. Entry, motion, glass break sensors, guard inside. Plus, Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, and carbon monoxide. It's 24-7 monitoring by live security professionals. You can set up your own system yourself, no tools needed, or Simply Safe can come out and do it for you. It's only 50 cents a day. That's the best part. No contracts at all. Visit simplysafe.com/overtime. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose in this situation, and it's a great deal. Go now and be sure to use the code overtime at simplysafe.com. Backslash overtime, so they know you're, that the bear report sent you. That's simplysafe.com/slash overtime. All right, let's get into our next question here um, on this free agent roundtable. And you know, the tight end position has been a struggle. It has been one that you know, the Bears need to really address and figure out. Specifically, Ryan Pace. They made two moves. They added Demetrius Harris a, um, about a month ago. 
primarily a blocking tight end. He's familiar with Matt Nagy with his time in Kansas City. But then they also signed Jimmy Graham to a two-year deal, which is kind of the move that a lot of us were kind of like, eh, what are they doing here, um, especially with the money. Now, I got a question for you guys here. The Bears have about a billion tight ends, it feels like, on the roster. They actually have like nine. But which of those tight ends do you feel the most confident in moving into 2020? And do you think the Jimmy Graham deal – was more of Ryan Pace trying to save himself, bidding against himself, or do you think he actually nailed on the head? Let's go with um, Andrew on this one. Yeah, I'm going to start with the Jimmy Graham thing. I mean, that's the this is the prime example of Ryan Pace bidding against himself because you cannot convince me that any other team in the NFL was willing to give Jimmy Graham that type of money, especially with the $9 million guaranteed. That makes – no sense to me. Um, you know, when you got guys like Eric Ebron who's making $12 million, I think, over the next two years with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Eric Ebron's a younger player and a better player at this stage in, in their careers, yeah, that, that one was a head-scratcher for sure. I, I think it's something where Ryan Pace feels comfortable with Jimmy Graham from their time together in New Orleans. Um, and, and also, the, the one thing that kind of gets me, it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but the no trade clause, as if any team in the NFL is going to actually want to trade for a washed up old Jimmy Graham at this stage. Um, yeah, I, it, it's funny, though, because out of all the guys in the roster, he's probably the guy that's going to be the most reliable just simply from a health perspective, because the one problem with the major problem with the Bears tight end group last season was that once Trey Burton went down, they didn't have any depth behind him. So at least with Jimmy Graham, you know, he hasn't had any major injuries over the past few seasons, and he hasn't had it had to deal with any nagging injuries where he's missing time here and there. So he's been consistently healthy. So on the simple fact that he's been healthy alone, he's probably the guy that I can trust the most, but I'm not really sure that's saying much. You know, he doesn't, ha- he doesn't have the speed or mismatch ability that he used to have earlier in his career. He's definitely not a great blocker. He's never been a good blocker. So um, just I'm not a big fan of the signing. I, I mean, I would have felt a lot better if it was just a short one-year, four- or five-million-dollar deal. But, um, yeah, as of right now, I mean, I, I, I'm going to put my stock in Jimmy Graham as being the top tight end in this group. He's probably the guy I'm going to put my most – trust in but um i i still think it they need to address it even more so in the draft um to kind of overhaul the position still and then we'll flip it over to you say for this one next yeah so i totally agree with uh andrew right there i mean i'm not a big fan of the signing especially because when you look at it the guy got way more money than any of us thought we were going to get my prime targets for the bears in free agency were Eric Ebron and Nick Vanette, just because I knew that they were going to get outbid for Hooper, especially when you saw some of the reports of the teams that were in on them. Now, it's hard to trust anyone with this tight end room right now. I think that the Bears are going to rely on Burton to just have a bounce-back season, thinking that he can still be tight end one, because, again, they paid him big money in free agency three years ago, too. I would still go ahead and say that you need to spend a day three pick on tight end and just take a flyer on a young guy that you can hope will develop into something under Clancy Barone. And then we'll kick it over to Alex. Yeah, I, I too, is not happy with the uh, with the Graham signing. I know now that we have Burton and Graham are tied for six in terms of cap hit for tight ends next year, and that's 
That's pretty disconcerting that we're talking about who can we trust when we have that much um, capital in terms of uh, cap space sunk into the position, but also the fact that we spent a second round pick on Adam Shaheen. So that's, that's just not a pretty picture. I mean, I have faith that Jimmy Graham is going to be a consistent, solid tight end, probably the 25th to 30th best tight end in the league. And we've seen Trey Burton be better than that. So we just got to hope that he rebounds a bit and is about a league average above league average tight end. Cause then we actually would have a solid tight end room, but Last year, our best tight end was J.P. Holtz. He's returning, and that's just that's not pretty. We when you have that much money and that many, much draft capital sunk into the position, you don't want to be begging to be league average and putting more capital in to become league average. So, not happy with it. But I would say I think Trey Burton's going to be the best, and I'm I'm fairly confident that Jimmy Graham will at least be okay. But I don't see any world where he lives up to his contract. Uh, then Eric, Aaron, if you want to finish this off, this topic. Yeah, I think obviously tight end's still a little bit of a, little bit of a mess right now. Um, you know, I, I think Dwayne Wade's probably the only person in the world who thought that was a good signing. Um, still, that tweet confused crap out of me. But either way, I mean, it's just kind of at a point right now where the Bears are stuck with what they're stuck with, and I think that we'll see a resolution once the draft happens. I think that you could probably lock in one way or another. Um, that at least two of the three guys from last year, whether that's Trey Burton, uh, Ben Broniker, uh, and Adam Shaheen, I think Shaheen's gone regardless. I think it's going to be a matter of if it's going to be Broniker or uh, Burton that's going to go. I do find it interesting that uh, Brad Biggs has kind of thrown this out a few times now, um, that Burton could be a guy that gets cut. Um, basically, if they do a, a post-June first cut on him, I mean, they could save a decent amount of money and they can kind of spread out that dead cap hit. Uh, over the next few years to where the next basically the next two years and they save a little over five million dollars and granted you're not really doing it to save money but it's kind of one of those things if you think the dude's cooked and you don't think he's going to be healthy then you might as well move on at this point and, and I and I kind of agree with the overall sentiment that really I mean you got two guys that are very similar tight ends I mean Jimmy Graham's obviously the bigger of the two guys and you know neither one of them are overly good especially when Burton's not healthy but I don't know how much good having both of them on the roster does i mean i think obviously as long as graham's healthy i think i mean he's probably going to be the primary the, the primary pass catcher uh, obviously got harris i'll have to see what they do in the draft as well i mean they still got holtz uh they still have uh you know they, they still have i mean they got nine guys on the roster right now i just don't really see a reason to keep you know more than you know, one of Broniker or Burton at this point. And I think if you can save the money on Burton and, and if it's already a redundant role, then I would definitely roll that way, save the money, call it a day. And, you know, worst case scenario, even if you don't really address it in the draft this year early or at all, then at least you know that that's going to be a primary need going into the next year and you can try to figure it out then. But, I mean, unfortunately, Pace, when you look at his track record for tight ends and quarterbacks right now, it's pretty pretty rough. Yeah, just fix it, man. Just find a way to fix a tight end position. I, I truly think, you know, I don't know if it would, you know, turn Mitchell Trubisky into a really good quarterback. I think it helped him to have a tight end, um, and that's not really an excuse for how bad he's played. Just find me a tight end that can be a primary pass catcher and can do in this offense what we've seen can happen in Kansas City and Philadelphia. Granted, they have two of the best tight ends in the position, but – um, yeah, we'll wrap it up here with two more questions. Um, I kind of want to go here with the NFC North and looking at the moves that 
you know, the Packers have made, the the Vikings have made, the Lions have made compared to the Bears. How much do you guys think the Bears actually improved in free agency compared to, you know, other NFC North teams? And, and where do you see them right now as they stand in this division going into the draft? Uh, we'll go with Usain first on this one. So, yeah, I think the Bears have improved in areas like pass rusher because you're getting a legitimate pass rusher in Robert Quinn right now compared to Leonard Floyd. But then there are also other areas where you look at, like, tight end, and you could say, okay, they don't really have an upgrade there. Now, when you look at their moves compared to the rest of the NFC North, it's going to come down to quarterback play for me. Um, You know, if the Bears win the division in 2020, it's going to be because whoever the starting quarterback is playing solid. When you look at Green Bay, they got Ricky Wagner and Christian Kirksey as two of their like best signings. Those really aren't guys that I'd expect to have a major impact. So Green Bay really didn't move the needle. Detroit just brought in a whole bunch of expatriates players. And then Minnesota, the strength of Minnesota was the defense. They lost a lot of starting talent. That was essentially their core on that side of the football. So Minnesota, you could argue, got worse, both on defense. And then also, don't forget, they traded away Stefan Diggs, too. And that wide receiver room right now is basically Adam Thielen and everyone else. So the Bears and the rest of the NFC North, like, no one got significantly better. And there's no way, there's not really anyone right now that you can crown as a surefire winner. I think it's about as open as it's going to get in 2020. Uh, Alex, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, um, this might be a little biased, but the way I've looked at it is I think the Packers have gotten worse. Their offensive line, that decreased, and that's really what held Aaron Rodgers up last year was the offensive line play was outstanding for the Packers last season. And with that declining and not really any improvement on the defense, I think they got worse. I, As you say, it said, they got the Vikings defense got a lot worse and subtracted really their only speed in the wide receiver room. So they got worse there as well. The lions it's, it's hard for me to read them because I thought they were going to really bounce back this year. Once Matt Stafford came and I, I'm sure they'll either take you right away or trade back there, but they just made so many moves. Half of them were horrible. Half of them were good. I'm not sure where they'll be. I'm, I'm sure they'll be better than last year, but I don't think they're a legitimate threat to win the division. So I think the addition of Robert Quinn really puts us as the favorite. But as as hinted to earlier, it really does depend on if we have a league average quarterback this year. Uh, Andrew. Andrew, if you want to go on this one. Yeah. Um, you know, we can argue as much as we want about the value given up for guys like Jimmy Graham, Nick Foles, um, bringing those guys in. But, you know, at the end of the day, did the Bears get better? I, I think they did. And I think they're right in the mix when it comes to winning the NFC North right now. Like everyone else has said, you know, the Packers, I, I think losing Brian Bulaga is going to be a huge loss for them. I, I think he's been one of the most underrated players, at least on the along the offensive line in the NFL for a very long time. And, you know, Rick Wagner's not a terrible player, but he's a huge downgrade. And then when you, you factor in the fact that the Bears, you bring in a Robert Quinn there for the pass rush, you know, I don't see any offensive line in this division being able to keep up with the pass rush that the Bears have right now uh, when they're all healthy. You have Robert Quinn, who's that classic speed rusher off the edge. Um, he's going to force quarterbacks to have to step up in the pocket. 
But where are they going to step up? So you got Akeem Hicks there in the middle, taking up double teams, pushing the pocket right to the quarterback's lap. And then you got Khalil Mack, of course, who can do it all. So the pass rush is scary. Um, they, they got a lot of juice right there. And I think it's going to make up for some of their holes in the back end of the defense. Um, and then, yeah, it comes down to the quarterback play. Can Nick Foles, if he's a starter, or Mitch Trubisky, can one of those guys give you competent starting level average quarterback play because I think that was the biggest thing holding this offense back last year is you know Mitch Trubisky just missed a lot of laps in the offense and that, that was a big thing that held them back you know missing out on those easy plays that could have created big plays or could have created additional first rounds to to keep the defense fresh you know that's that's going to be a big thing for them this year offensive wise if they can get back to around where they were in 2018 where maybe not quite league average but around that area uh, that's going to be a huge trip for them because I think the defense, they're going to be right back up there among the elite units in the NFL. In terms of how they stack up against some of the other teams as well, you know, I'm not going to put too much stock into Detroit as long as Matt Patricia is there. I just don't think he's a very good head coach. And I think him trying to bring in all these expatriates is just classic, just trying to copy off of Bill Belichick as much as possible, which is one of the biggest thing I fear with the Bill Belichick disciples. These guys think that they can be Bill Belichick and, it's not always going to work out that way. Um, so I'm not putting too much stock in the lines. Uh, the Vikings, they have a lot of turnover on their roster right now. It really comes down to how they perform in the draft because they have a lot of draft picks now. Uh, after the Stephon Diggs trade, they have two first-round picks. So if they can get a wide receiver that can come in and contribute right away, I think that will fix their issue there. Um, the offensive line is still math for me for them. Uh, and it comes down to can they reload in their secondary because they lost their three top starting cornerbacks last year. You know, Xavier Rhodes wasn't anything at this point. He's kind of washed up at the back end of his career. But, uh, you know, the strength of their team since Mike Zimmer's been there has been their defense, and they lost a lot of great pieces on defense ever since Griffin, uh, a, a very good pass rusher for them. So uh, they're going to have to retool this thing in the draft. But overall, I, I've got to say that I think the Bears have a very good chance as long as their quarterback play can – be around league average, like like we've been saying. I think they do have a chance with uh, some of the moves that they have made. And for our final question here on this roundtable, what is the biggest need left for the Bears to address in your guys' minds, and how can they address it? Uh, if you want to just give me a position, if you want to name some players, that's fine. If not, uh, just a general position works. Let's start it off with Andrew on this one. Yeah, so I'm a big believer that you can never have too many pass rushers. I like to build my defenses from the defensive line and back. So getting guys that can get after the quarterback, I, I think is key. So I, I think getting Robert Quinn in there as that number two edge rusher for them was a huge signing and it's going to help the pass rush quite a bit, but I'd like to see them get a third guy uh, there because, you know, with Robert Quinn, Cleo Mack, you're going to eventually need to get somebody in there to kind of spell them throughout the game, you know, for 15, 20 snaps or so, so that they're fresh as much as possible. And, you know, in the case that one of them goes down with an injury, you want somebody in there that can win their one-on-one matchups and hold up there. That was a big problem with Leonard Floyd is, you know, he just wasn't productive enough at winning those one-on-one matchups that he had. So I think getting a third edge rusher to add to the team, you know, some of the guys I'm looking at here in free agency, Cameron Wake is a guy that, I think could add some juice here on about 10 to 15 snaps a game. Uh, Clay Matthews, who I know a lot of Bears fans are not a big fan of the guy um, as a former Packer, but I think he still has a lot of football left in him as a situational pass rusher. So adding him in, in there would be uh, 
you know, something that uh, could benefit the Bears pass rush a little bit. Just some more additional players to keep on going after offensive line in ways, in waves, um, and just be relentless with the pass rush. So I think that third edge rusher is going to be key there uh, for me. And then uh, Alex, if you want to take your turn on this one. Yeah, I'd definitely say that the two positions I have some worry about is uh, that third pass rusher and also uh, strong safety. I just don't feel comfortable at all having Bush come in as as our starting strong safety. I know he's he's performed pretty well and he's he is a strong uh, third safety, but that's a position that I would really like to address with a more veteran box safety presence. I know uh, Tony Jefferson's name has floated around a lot recently, and originally I wanted Von Bell, but I'd be more than happy to settle in on Tony Jefferson just to kind of add a little bit more uh, hard-nosed football into our defensive backs. And then uh, we'll go to Aaron on this one for um, the biggest need left for the Bears. Yeah, I would definitely agree. Uh, right now it's got to be defensive back, whether it's corner, um, whether it's safety. I, I, I think – for me to feel, obviously, that there's been quite a bit of improvement made with the pass rush. Getting Akeem Hicks back is going to be tremendously helpful. But I, I do think that having one sure thing in the secondary at this point is definitely going to have some value. And whether that is somebody like a Tony Jefferson, uh, whether that's maybe another veteran um, that gets cut here you know, in the, in the next month or two or whatever it may be, it'll be interesting. The one thing to note with Tony Jefferson is basically until physicals can start going on again, until teams can actually check his knee out for him for themselves he had a, a torn acl and pcl so it was a little bit more um than you know a normal acl tear um, it sounds like everything is going good but with that being said it's probably not going to be until probably may or june at this point before physicals are even a thing again and no team's going to sign him to any sort of deal until they can do a physical for themselves kind of like the camp newton situation where teams want to look at it themselves so I think if anything's going to happen, it's probably going to be post-draft, which is completely fine. I mean, the, the Bears made some impacts or it made a impact signing last year around this time in terms of, you know, Kevin Pierre-Lewis coming in. And, uh, you know, and he was I want to say he was a May signing, too. So either way, I, I, I do think that the secondary is one of those spots where I think it makes the most sense to add somebody there. And even if you have somebody coming in to maybe compete. Um, you know, maybe even like Rashad Jones, somebody like that, where they can come in, they can compete for a starting job and hopefully win that starting job. Because I just, I don't know, I, I, I don't think it's going to be the best idea, especially with how good defense can be. I don't think it's going to be the best idea to have two question marks in the secondary. But I don't know. I guess, I guess we'll just have to see. I mean, luckily they have a, they should have a much better pass rush in terms of actually getting the quarterback again this year uh, to maybe equal some of that out. And then finally, you said, what's your uh, biggest position of need left? So I would go ahead and say it's still edge rusher because you need to have that third guy there. I mean, I know the last couple of years we've seen Khalil Mack, Leonard Floyd, and Aaron Lynch. Two of the three guys are gone now. You have Mack and Quinn, but who's going to be the third guy? Because Isaiah Irving's just a special teams guy. Mingo's a special teams guy, too. I would say they could probably go ahead and 
draft someone. I don't see them signing anyone in free agency right now, but I would like to see the Bears potentially look at someone like Josh Uchi, who's from Michigan, lit it up at the Senior Bowl. Uh, even Curtis Weaver would be a pretty interesting option, or Jonathan Greenard from Florida. So those are like three guys to I think really watch out for because you need to have like that third guy just so Mac. Khalil Mack can't do all the work. You need to get him off the field sometimes. Um, Robert Quinn's going to be 30 in May. You need to take the pressure off those two guys uh, by bringing in a uh, third edge rusher. And then just looking at, like, safety as well, because I know you guys bought this up. Like, I'm not content with, you know, having Deion Bush or Jordan Lucas as the safeties. Bush, if he starts, he's going to be a product of, like, the talent around him. You need to look at someone, too. I think that in the draft, Take a, you know, look at a guy like Ashton Davis, Kyle Duggar from Lenore Ryan, a small school prospect that not a lot of Bears fans are talking about right now. Yeah, and for me, you know, to kind of wrap things up here, I think you guys hit the nail on the head on all of them. I, I want to go back to something we talked about earlier in this roundtable. Give me some more speed on this offense. Give me a wide receiver with some speed, a guy that can, you know, take the top off of a defense and be a burner um, in this offense, whether it's at wide receiver, running back. Give me that player. Um, thanks again, guys, for joining me. How we like to wrap up every show is I'd like you guys to drop your Twitter um, where everyone can follow you at. We'll go around here. We'll start with Usaid. Where can they follow you on Twitter at? Uh, yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. And then um, Alex, where can they follow you on Twitter at? It's uh, ablethen33. And then Andrew? Yeah, AJ Freeman 25, the J's lowercase, A and F are uppercase. Perfect. And then Aaron and I will wrap up the show. Thanks again, guys. I recommend you follow all those guys on Twitter, read their work on the Bear Report. They all do great stuff. Listen to the Picks for Pace podcast. And we'll have to do this again in our time. Thanks again, guys, for joining me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. Welcome back in here to the Bear Report podcast. That was our roundtable with some Bearport writers, kind of give you some insight on free agency for some other writers aside from Aaron and myself. As I said, you guys get to listen to Aaron and myself um, about 50 times a year on things. So we thought it'd be a little bit of a refresher to kind of get everyone, you know, give their in- input on free agency. And Aaron, I mean, now we're in that time we kind of talked about. It. We're in like those tier two, tier three, getting to tier four signings. And really, I mean, you look out, there's not a lot of big names. There's, you know, Cam Newton's obviously out there, but the medicals are the big thing. NFL teams really can't get these physicals in to officially announce these deals. And I know the Bears have made a couple signings, and we talked about it on the roundtable. Are there any players in your mind out there that would make sense for the Bears uh, to sign here in these, in these coming days and possibly weeks? You know, I... I... I don't know. I it, Pace has taken such a weird approach so far with free agency. I, I could see some depth moves going on, but I think in terms of, I guess if there was one guy outside of you know the, the obvious you know Tony Jefferson move or, or Rashad uh, Jones or somebody like that, one move that I wouldn't mind uh, would be Paul Richardson. I know he's definitely been injury prone, but if you can get him on a one year vet minimum kind of deal and bring him in, I think he, he could fit that speed role for you, or at least be you know camp competition. And but it's again, it's one of those situations where I just I don't know what Ryan Pace is really thinking. We don't know what their budget is at this point. Uh, I mean, really, our best bets to look at over the cap. But I mean, even that, it's like we're looking and 
it's like we don't know what the Nick Foles restructure was. Uh, we also don't know if they made any other restructures outside of Cody Whitehair. So we don't really know if, what kind of money they're working with right now. You know, it's like these these the the cap stuff that's coming out isn't really official because I mean none of the moves that the Bears have made are technically official yet because well you know we don't uh, they they can't do physicals so I mean there's no. Basically, the, the contracts aren't official until physicals are done, and physicals have been pushed off for probably at least a month. So I, it's really hard to tell with what kind of budget they're working with. But if there, if there was one guy, I would say probably somebody like a Paul Richardson, that, that speed guy that maybe you come in, you bring him in on a vet minimum deal. Um, he can recoup some of his value if he has a decent year. Um, and, you know, if not, if he doesn't work out, then you cut him in camp, and I'm sure they're probably going to add somebody in the draft anyway. Yeah, I mean, the medicals are really the biggest biggest thing in this. And, and like you said, the cap space as well, we really don't know because the deals have not been announced. So it's kind of, for me, it's it's play by ear and see what happens. But I, I agree. I mean, a guy like Tony Jefferson would make sense. Um, I was very intrigued when the, when the Cam Newton report came out, and then we found out later that the Panthers were trying to trade Newton to the Bears. But, I mean, for the Bears, that doesn't make any sense if you can't get that full um, medical on him. So... Yeah, overall, I mean, I think it's been a, a pretty active free agency for the Bears. I think they've kind of at least tried to fix the holes that they have. You know, you and I both are on the same page with the Jimmy Graham deal. Um, it just didn't make sense for us. And while Nick Foles might not be the sexiest pick and everyone wants, you know, Nick Foles and, or everyone wants a different quarterback and wants, you know, the, the star quarterback, at least they're trying to address the positions and, and, and trying to make a fix. And, and I guess we'll just have to wait and see, but – we got a long way to go till then, and, and, and I know you've talked about it, I've talked about it. I don't think there's going to be any off-season activities coming up for anytime soon. I think um, we're going to see a lot more postponements. I think the NHL just postpones, postponed stuff in June. So it's looking like we might not have any rookie minicamps, OTAs, veteran minicamps, any of that stuff. It looks like the next practice of football we might have might be training camp, which – Kind of sucks because all the good storylines are in those OTAs and in training camp. So we'll see. But um, Aaron, unless you had any final thoughts, I think that could kind of wrap up our show tonight. I think you are right. Um, uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's yes. going to be interesting. It's definitely going to be interesting. So I guess I'll just go ahead and kick off the whole. You can follow me at Aaron Lemming <laughs> NFL um, and you can read my work on the bearreport.com. I mean, everybody else has done it. I guess we might as well do it at this point, huh? Right, right. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore um, Pearson. And you can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at Just Bear Report. As Aaron said, you can read his work on the Bear Report. You can read my work on the Bear Report. And we'll be back hopefully next week. Should be back next week with another episode. Hopefully some more moves to talk about um, here in free agency and break down some draft talk as we are, what? Well, yeah, just about a month away from what is going to be a pretty weird NFL draft to say the least. So, Make sure you uh, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on all major podcasting platforms, and we'll talk to you next week. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.